Welcome to Red Light Tonight. My name is Chance, and this is my uh, co-host Shadow. Hello. This is the Red Light Tonight podcast, a podcast about my many experiences in different red light districts throughout the world. Our podcast will break down each red light district, and I'll give you my opinions and some personal stories about my experiences. Um, There's also an email address if you want to ask your questions or tell your own personal stories. Now, first and foremost, we do not believe in underage prostitution, human trafficking of any kind. This is always between two consenting adults, and names have been changed to protect everyone involved. I've spent time with a lot of prostitutes, a large number. Streetwalkers, brothel girls, online escorts. I've been to massage parlors, famous fishbowl in Thailand. I've played this game for a while now, and I have no shame. I'm 32 years old. I'm single, middle-class income, no interest in having a relationship. Why? Sex tourism. Wait, hold on. What is sex tourism? Uh, sex tourism, um, basically, I travel to different locations in the world, exploring red light districts and finding prostitutes. So in this podcast, I will be interviewed, I'll tell stories, I'll give advice, I will answer your questions. Welcome to Red Light Tonight. All right, Chance, how many red light districts have you been to? Uh, I have been to 16 cities with red light districts in them. Not every red light, or not every city had a red light district per se. Some of them just had prostitutes and brothels throughout the city. How many prostitutes have you slept with? Uh, well, I've lost count at the 220 mark. God damn. I would, uh, I would, <laughs> 220? I would say my number is between 230 and 240. Lord Jesus. Are you going for some kind of record? <laughs> uh, no, but it would be nice to uh, catch Lamar Odom in his number. Uh, he claims 500. Also, you know, everyone's dreams about catching Wilt Chamberlain in his 10,000 record. 10,000? Yeah, he claims he's been with 10,000 women. I don't know, man. I'm going to have to call BS on that. Well, you know, at first... When I first heard that number and I was younger, I thought, oh, that's total BS. You don't even have the time to be with 10,000 women. But after, you know, touring the world a little bit and having a little bit of fun, I can actually see that number happening if you have the money. Did he have the money? No, of course. He was an NBA basketball player, Hall of Famer, top 10 of all time. I don't follow much basketball. Yeah, he was around in the 70s when the the free sex was more... Tolerated and stuff. I think the real question is: Does he have more career points as a basketball player, or has he slept with more women? <laughs> that's, a, that's a funny question. <laughs> All right, Chance, I have to ask you: What is your favorite red light district? My favorite red light district is the one in Antwerp, Belgium. All right, we're going to be going into Antwerp, Belgium. What's the name of the red light district in Antwerp, Belgium? Uh, the Via Tinto. Via Tinto. So in this first episode, we're going to be discussing Antwerp, Belgium. All right, Chance, why is the Via Tinto your favorite red light district? Uh, two reasons, really. The, the prices and the girls. 
the the prices here in in uh, Antwerp are the I think the, some of the best prices you'll find in the world. Best prices. It's a it's a set fifty euro. You don't have to rent a hotel. You don't have to buy drinks for the girls. You don't have to pay any bar fine. No cover fee. It's all just a set fifty euro. And more often than not, they don't ask for tip. So it's like an all-inclusive package. 50 euro covers the room, or is that separate? No, like I said, 50 euro covers everything. They're standing in these windows, okay? Wait, some windows? Yeah, like the windows in Amsterdam. Well, I've heard of Amsterdam, but I didn't know women stood in front of windows. You've seen pictures, I'm sure. Women stand... Women stand in these windows that are illuminated by a red light. A red light, so the red light will disguise their flaws. And the red light is the biggest telltale sign that they are a prostitute. Hence the name Red Light District. Okay. So then all these windows are red then? Not all of them. Some of them are white. They have the white light, which like exposes their flaws. Usually, the girls standing in the white light are like flawless, and just, that's why they're they're kind of like boasting. Mm-hmm. Hey, I ain't got no, okay. I ain't got no scar right here. So the red there's, light kind of there's no covers. augmentation to my tits. Yeah, there's uh yeah the red light covers any flaws and scars, and uh, yeah. All right, let's get back on track. Uh, so the prices are 50 euro set. Yeah, 50 euro set. Okay. Now, how does that compare to other parts, other red light districts around the world? Is that? Well, it compares very favorably. A lot of places, like I said earlier, there's so many extra fees that come out of nowhere. Like if you're in Thailand, you, never, you don't know that you have to pay the bar in order for the girl to go home. If you're in other places in the world, the girls will uh, demand that you pay for a hotel. Um, But Antwerp is just a set 50 euro. It's perfect. Okay. So reason number one for having Antwerp on the top of your list was prices. You said reason number two were girls. Can you elaborate? Yeah. In Antwerp, there were some very beautiful women. Um, None of them were Belgium, but they were... These women from Romania and Hungary, uh, Eastern European women, dark hair, pale skin, which is my favorite. There was a lot of that. There was blondes. Uh, I never saw a red redhead, but eventually. As a year, man, you, you, you might find one eventually, right? Eventually, next time I go. When's the last time you went to Antwerp? Uh, I went in uh, November 2019. And uh, that's really recent, okay. Yeah, it was cold. I I believe you, man. I believe you. Now, the the age limit in uh, Antwerp for for the girls is uh, the youngest they can be is 18. So, other places, the age limit is 21. So, Antwerp does have 10 of a uh, you know, there's there are younger girls in Antwerp, and there are girls that are you know, freshly starting out. How big is the Via Tinto? Uh, 
it's comprised of three small streets. Um, that's another reason why uh, I prefer Antwerp to some place like Amsterdam. So Amsterdam has the windows too, but in Amsterdam, it's very spread out. It's like if you wanted to walk and look at every window, it could take you 30 Maybe 30 minutes because of the crowds and how spread out it was. There's even a canal through Amsterdam. But in Antwerp, it's three small streets. takes you five minutes to do the loop. Okay. Now, once, let's say, you know, you're in Antwerp, Belgium right now, in the Via Tinto. You're walking down. You see a girl in the window. Do you just tap on the window? Like, hey, you know, can we meet up? Or... You have to go inside somewhere to talk to someone else. How does that work? No, you just make eye contact with the women, and uh, they'll smile. They'll try to, you know, flirt with you a little bit. You walk up to the glass, and they'll usually open it, and uh, then you can ask, like, how much? That's how what I always ask, even though I already know the price is going to be fifty euro. I always ask how much, and they go. But it's always good to just make sure, right? Yeah. But, you never know. One day, somebody might say, oh, 200 euro, like they do in Amsterdam. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's it. And then they invite you in. Um, you you, they you walk into the window? You walk. The, the window is actually a door with, like, a glass window. Oh, okay. So, yeah, they can op- it opens up. And you go in, and they close the curtain. And some of them, the bed is right there. Some of them, you have to go up a staircase. And then you're in, the, in their bed. In their bedroom, uh, there's always a sink so you can wash yourself out. You know, wash your hands, wash, you know, wash the parts that need washing. Sanitation is important, right? Sanita- especially in this day and age. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now I'm curious. What are the? Do you know the names of the streets? Uh, not off the top of my head, but let me uh, pull up Google Maps. All right. They're they're. Versui, Schipperstraat, and Vingerlingstraat. Vingerlingstraat, okay. Yeah, well, you know it kind of sounds like Vingerlingstraat. <laughs> well, you know, it's Europe, so, you know, you know, hearing this stuff kind of reminds me of the movie Eurotrip. I never saw it. Oh, it's a good movie. Do they, do they visit red light districts? You know, I think they did, and that's honestly where I get most of my knowledge from about this topic, and... I thought the red light district was mostly about like drugs. I had no idea it had included no. prostitution. Actually, that's a good segue into you know safety. Um, there are police in the Via Tinto, or like walking around the streets of the Via Tinto. Uh, they're patrolling, and what they're looking for is drugs. They are looking for drugs. They're looking for pickpocketers. They're there to keep you, and they're there to keep the girls safe. So actually, if you think about it, a red light district is usually a very safe place because there's always a strong police present presence. So police presence is always good. So now, are the locals okay with this kind of business going being operated like do just people just go about their day you know you know they pass through the via tinto you know to see all these women on windows or um do they avoid it well i've been there at night of course really late into the night but i've also been there in the middle of the daytime 
And I saw like a woman's walking group, like an older woman's walking group. Like every one of these women had gray hair. And they were walking, doing their power walking right through the red light district. And they weren't eyeballing the girls, but it's like they're just walking down any normal street. It's just their normal, you know, Tuesday afternoon jog. Okay. Yeah, I guess you can put it that way. That's, that's interesting because, you know, me, us living in the United States, you know, we don't. You don't see none of that, you know. It's it's actually, you know, it, like we said, it's illegal here. Um, and it being legal over there, just, it's interesting to me, you know. Well, it's, it's commonly referred to as the world's oldest profession. I mean, you're just really trading sex for cash. It's a transaction. If it's between two consenting adults, is there really a victim there? I mean, no. I don't see so. It's really just like a like in the U.S. We you know how there's that sugar daddy sugar baby relationship. It's basically just like that. Just more expensive, but yeah. Not less expensive, man. You know how expensive it is to be a sugar daddy in the you United States. Well, that's what I was talking about—a sugar daddy. It's uh, more expensive to be a sugar. Yeah, daddy. you paying phone bills, you paying rent, you paying car payments. She wants that Mercedes Benz. <laughs> how many times have you been to Belgium? Uh, I've made the trip to Antwerp uh, two times. I've spent three nights there now. Three nights. How many women did you sleep with in those three nights? Break it down to us. Well, the first night, I was with five women. The second night, my personal record of ten women in one night. Hold on. Th- this, is why, this is why I think Wilt Chamberlain could be telling the truth. Ten women in one night. Yes, 10 women. Man, that's more than I've had my entire life. <laughs> it was expensive. Got it. it was expensive. I spent 500 euro, 50 euros a pop. It was expensive, but it was fun. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I, I'll take your word for it. And to clarify, I didn't orgasm all 10, 10 times. I saved my orgasm for a mega climax with the tenth girl, but yeah, I, uh, I was with ten different women. Well, I am. including one of the white light women. Yeah. Oh, she's like the the cream of the crop. Well, she wasn't the cream of the crop, but she was uh, she was brave enough to be in the white light and not the red light. I remember specifically because she wore like a, like that Target flannel, like you know the red and black with the squares and stuff. And for some reason, she had uh, light blue hair, obviously dyed, maybe even a wig. But it really went with her uh, with her attitude, I guess, and the style that she was. She was kind of like a a younger gothic type girl. Okay. You know, like is that is that what a scene chick is? I don't know. That's I'm not sure. Not one hundred percent sure what it, I don't even know what a scene chick is. Okay, well I think a scene chick are those girls that like to go to raves and stuff, and they have weird colored hair like pink and red. Oh, Ooh. I just call those raver girls. Oh, well, but she might be a scene chick. I don't know. I don't know. All right, but we're digressing. Now let's take a break to hear from our sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by ourselves, Red Light Tonight. Now, if you have any questions, feel free to email us. The email is redlighttonightpodcast at yahoo.com. Also, if you are interested in visiting a red light district but are too nervous or scared to go by yourself, email us. 
I visit the red light district in Tijuana near San Diego often. Email us at redlighttonightpodcast at yahoo.com if you have any questions or if you're interested in joining me in one of these visits. Also, if you have any of your own stories or your own input, make sure to email us. Again, the email is redlighttonightpodcast at yahoo.com. So, Chance, other than fucking, what else did he do in Antwerp? Explain your first visit to me. Well, I arrived into Antwerp by train, and uh, the first thing I did was get my lodging set up. I had booked the night before, and uh, I had booked uh, two nights at a hostel, the Antwerp City Hostel, which was like a 10-minute walk from the red light district. Um, It was a good rate. I think I spent like maybe 40 euros a night plus 50 cents for a towel. Damn, they charge you for a towel? <laughs> well, yeah, it's a hostel. You know what a hostel is, right? I've heard of them. I've heard of the movie. I've never seen the movie, but I'm guessing it's not very accurate. A hostel is pretty much, you know, a giant. There's, a, there's rooms that have multiple bunk beds or multiple twin-size beds in them. And... Uh, you're sharing the room with a bunch of strangers, but you know it comes with a comes with a locker, and so you can keep your belongings. It's cheaper, it's cheaper than a hotel. So if you're on a budget, if you want to spend more of your money elsewhere than your lodgings, then hostels a good way to go. There's a lot of backpackers that use hostels. Uh, Europeans traveling through Europe on their holidays, they use hostels. Americans are in hostels too, but not not as much. Can is hostels mostly for like just one person trips, or is it? Can you bring your family? Okay. Well, if you're bringing your significant other, it could work. But do know that you know, sex is prohibited in the hostel. But you can you can you rent the bed, so you can rent a two person bed for the hostel. I've seen that happen. Um, you hostels are not for children. Oh, they don't allow children? Yeah, well, if you're listening to this podcast, I hope you're not planning to take these trips with children. It's not a good idea. Yeah, that's true. Um, no, the hostels are great. Are probably primarily used by single people. Okay. Good to know. So, yeah, after the hostel, uh, I walked around the city of Antwerp a little bit. I learned some interesting things. It's, it's the second largest port in Europe. It's, uh, it's known as a diamond city. I think most of the world's diamonds gets traded through Antwerp. Uh, about a five-minute walk from the red light district and a five-minute walk from the hostel where I stayed at, there was a, uh, uh, a medieval castle sitting on the banks of the, of the major river that runs through the town, the River Scheldt. The castle was named the Steen. It was pretty cool. You could even walk through it free of charge. There was also some, like, under the river tunnel that was had some history about being one of the longest uh, walking tunnels when it was uh, when it was built. Overall, the city of Antwerp, other than its red light district, is kind of boring when you compare it to like other touristy cities. Like, it doesn't compare to Amsterdam, in in terms of other things to do. Amsterdam has so much so much other things to do. Thailand, you have a lot of other things to do. Germany, you know. 
Yeah, there's other things to do in those other countries. Antwerp really was just about the red light district for me. For someone living in the United States, what is the best way to get to Antwerp? Uh, well, you have to cross the pond, so you're going to have to fly into a major airport. Antwerp, uh, Antwerp has an airport, but I didn't really see any international flights that uh, landed in Antwerp. The nearest international flight was uh, Brussels or Amsterdam or Paris. And once you land in one of those cities, it's uh, easy to just hop on the train and uh, take the train in the central station in Antwerp. Being an American, I really, I really don't use public transportation, but I've heard great things about, you know, the transportation in Europe. Can you elaborate on that? Is it affordable? You know, what makes it so great? Well, the train, the train system works wonderful in Europe. You can travel internationally by train all over Europe. The prices aren't that, aren't that high. The further you go, the more expensive the ticket is. But if you're getting a ticket from Brussels... I, I don't even remember how much it was. It was insignificant to me. And I, I travel on a small budget. Now, when I fly to Europe from from L.A., I fly straight into Barcelona because that's the cheapest flight. I was always getting it between 350 and $400 round trip straight to Barcelona. Barcelona has its own red light district. And then I would take the train from Barcelona throughout Europe. To me, that was the most affordable way to travel through uh, and visit all these places. What about car rentals? Can you rent a car? Yeah, you can definitely rent a car. It's pricey, though. You you have to know how to drive stick. Can you work a stick? Can you work a stick, Shadow? No, no, I, I can't. I thought you said you were an American. I'm full auto here, man. I've driven trucks my whole life. You really don't see stick shift trucks. Well, the only time I rented a car was in Germany because I did that uh, Autobahn, which I recommend to anybody who's a thrill seeker. Autobahn is really fun. Other than that, unless you can drive stick, I wouldn't recommend renting a car. Plus, the the streets are all so narrow and windy. It's like, it's kind of scary, I would think. Is that why they have really small cars? I I think they're going for fuel economy and stuff like that. I don't know why they have small cars. Europeans, I think, are smaller in general. They're not as big, especially the women. Actually, one thing I like about the European women is, is they like to wear the, like the, I think they're called leggings, like the black leggings. Oh, like the really like skin-tight leggings? Yeah, they, they, wear them, they, wear, they wear them underneath like a skirt or a dress, but it's like, it's, well, in 2019, that seemed to be the styles over there. It seemed like all these women were wearing these black leggings, and it just, to me, I liked it. I know we're, I know we're going way off topic here. Let's, let's go back. So we're going to be wrapping up Antwerp. Any last-minute stories, uh, comments you want to share, Chance? Yeah, I have, I have a few. So this is weird, but the last time I was in Antwerp, 2019, during the day, I was walking around window shopping, and uh, there was another customer walking around meowing like a cat. And he had his, his, his nose up in the air like he was sniffing the air. And his paws were, or his hands, his paws, his hands were up like a cat's paws. And he was just meowing the air, walking the loop between the girls. 
Now, when I finally chose uh, a woman I was interested, I, I pointed the dude out, and she's like, yeah, he, he's here. He's here sometimes. Nothing, just, just a weirdo. He's just a, a local stray? <laughs> local stray. Yeah, I don't know. Probably some dude with either a weird fetish or some strange uh, mental mental disability. I'm a, well, depending, you know... Considering the location, I think it's a fetish. Yeah, I think it's a fetish, too. You're right. Because it was a mental disability. He'd be, like, at the port or something. Maybe. Yeah, that's true. So that concludes our episode about Antwerp, Belgium. Uh, again, if you have any questions, you can email us at redlighttonightpodcast at yahoo.com. Uh, we will eventually have a Q&A podcast. Hopefully we get some questions. During our next podcast, I will be talking about my uh, trip to Patong Beach, Thailand, where I hung out with some girls and spent the days on the beach. But for the rest of this particular podcast, we'll be rambling, rambling on about today's hot topics. So if you're not interested in hearing us talk about our personal opinions on things, then you could stop listening now. Today is uh, March 16th, 2020. And obviously there's a serious pressing matter going on with the coronavirus. But Shadow, I want to hear your thoughts on Kobe's death. Oh, man. All right, so as you may have heard earlier, I don't really follow basketball. But I did follow Kobe, you know. I'm a big L.A. team-based fan. I follow the Dodgers. I follow the Lakers. I follow the Kings. And, yes, I even follow the Galaxy. Now. You ain't from L.A., man, because L.A. is we're following LAFC now. You're behind the time. Well, you know, it is what it is. Stay on Kobe's death. Okay. Well, like I said, when I first heard about Kobe, I was, uh, I was outside smoking my morning joint Sunday morning where I get my phone and I have a notification from a buddy of mine. And it was a picture stating that, you know, a helicopter crash and sources were confirming that it Kobe was on board. And I was like, no way. This is BS. Fake news. I run to my to my TV, I turn on the news, nothing's on there. So I was like, okay, this is fake. I was, I was, re- I was re- ready to write my friend, you BSing. I don't see anything on the news where as I'm typing that out and I'm walking to my kitchen, I hear breaking news and I stop, I turn around and I hear that they're talking about Kobe's death. And I was like, what? No, there's no, he's like, there's no way, man. And it really shocked me how much his death kind of affected me. Because like I said, I really, I haven't watched basketball in such a long time. And just, you know, him being part of my childhood growing up, you know, watching a few games here and there kind of, you know, really affected me. And uh, what hurt the most being a father and, you know, Having children myself, um, it really hurt when I saw that uh, his daughter, Gianna, 
was on board. It, you know, it, it was unfortunate for the everybody on board, you know. But let's be honest. The people that were, the other people that were on the helicopter, they didn't affect my life the way Kobe did, you know. And although I feel for them, Kobe's death was really the part that affected me and, like, kind of put me into, put everything into perspective for me, you know, as a father, as an adult, as, you know, make sure to use every day like it's your last. Yeah, well, I grew up in L.A. I'm a little bit older than you, so. A little bit? When I was, uh, (laughs) just kidding, (laughs) You know, once you start getting to your 30s and 40s, 10 years is not that much. That's true. Anyways. <laughs> anyways, I grew up as a teenager. Kobe was, you know, hitting his prime, winning his champion, his first championships with, uh, with Shaq. And so being Asian, growing up in L.A., back in the late 90s, it was still kind of weird with the whole racism thing going on. So Kobe was one of those one of those things that brought everybody together. Everybody loved the Lakers. Everybody loved uh, Kobe. Purple and gold. Purple and gold. I'm a Clippers fan, but you know I respected Kobe. I followed Kobe. I I, I rooted for Kobe during those championships. And yeah, when I um when I heard the news, I was I was on the phone with a buddy, and he was telling me some stuff about him and his girlfriend breaking up. I really wasn't paying attention, so I just I had him on speaker, and I was working on a fixing a toy for my for my kids and he's going on and on and on and then he stops and i tell him hey dude yeah i'm still listening no i I really wasn't but he had stopped talking and then he said dude i'm reading kobe just died and i remember i had this knife in my hand trying to trying to use it as a screwdriver and it slipped cutting my finger and i told him dude i'm just gonna have to call you back and then I looked on my phone, saw the news, and it was it was a good like three hours before I was able to pull myself together and call anybody. And the first person I called was my dad, and my dad was was grieving himself. And you know, my dad is blind, and he loved basketball. So when we were when I was growing up, I was always listening to Chick Hearn, listening to Chick Hearn. And when Chick Hearn died, my dad couldn't listen to the new guys right away. So I would announce the games for him and do a play-by-play. Basically, I replaced Chick Hearn for my dad until I got older and moved out, of course. And then he started, you know, he's, he's on to the new guys now. But it's, I don't know, it was just such a huge. It definitely shook the sports world. It, not even the sports world, man. It shook all of L.A. Well, definitely, yeah. Yes. It shook all of L.A. Because, you know. He was like a monumental figure in L.A. Yeah, I, I drive all over L.A., man. I see murals. Um, there's a really good one uh, on Washington Street right now near that near Culver City. But it's sad all in all. What do you, what do you think is a bigger celebrity death? Uh, Kobe or Jackson, Michael Jackson? You know, I never really... Liked Michael Jackson. Um, I know he he was the king of pop. Uh, and, you millennials, Jesus. But uh, I never really, you know, honestly liked Michael Jackson. Uh, but he, I knew how much people cared for him. Um, 
And, you know, funny enough, you know, they both have similar backstories, although... Let's not bring that up. Yeah, let's not bring it up. But, you know, they, they were both, you know, they they impacted a lot of people's lives, you know, and I think that's what I respected. You know, I didn't follow Michael Jackson, but I respected the people. My neighbor, she was a huge Michael Jackson fan. And I although I didn't know her when he passed, when I did bring up the topic when we were taught, you know, when we started speaking, she broke down the very moment we brought him up. So, like, that's how much, you know, people love Michael Jackson. Um, and, you know, I think that's kind of like, that's Kobe in the sports world. You know, I think everybody really liked Kobe Bryant for who he was, the drive he had, the winning mentality, you know, him being the block mamba, giving it your all, whatever you do. If people didn't like him, they at least respected him. Yeah. And I think that's, that's where I was trying to go with, with Michael Jackson. I didn't really like him, but you know, I respected him because, you know, he touched people's lives. Yeah. Well, I guess we're going to end this podcast here. Next time, uh, next time we record, Shadow, please, uh, please be fully clothed. I mean, this, all this chest hair is kind of distracting. But I like it. I like feeling free.